Des Moines. Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. Iowa State football has picked up another commitment for the 2019 class. A late commitment from Juco wide receiver Darren Wilson from Butler Community College. The six foot three Wilson selected the Cyclones over West Virginia and has three years of eligibility remaining. Iowa basketball is on the recruiting trail looking for a grad transfer. Bakari Evelyn of Valpo will be visiting the Hawkeyes on June 7th. Evelyn, a combo guard, averaged 8.4 points per game last season and 12.6 as a sophomore. Stanley Cup Finals Game 2, it went to overtime. Here's the call from NBC Sports Network. Drive, and that one whistled wide. Came back along to Gunnarsson once more. They've got Sundquist set up at the opposite circle. Across to Gunnarsson, the shot, he scores! The Blues win it in overtime, and have even the series. Series tied up at a game apiece, game three in St. Louis, Saturday night. To MLB, the Cubs get on the right side of things. Chris Bryant back in the lineup. Eight-game lead. Bryant in the air to deep center. Back on it, Marisnik. Home run, Chris Bryant. Welcome back to the lineup. The call from NBC Sports Chicago is the Cubs hold on for the 2-1 victory. The crosstown rival White Sox continue their winning ways against the Royals 8-7. Left side, there! Here comes McCann. Vengeance for Tim Anderson at RBI. Double, it's 8-7. Tonight on 1460 KXNO High School Baseball. Des Moines East travels to Southeast Polk to take on the Rams. 7 o'clock with the first pitch. And right before it's 6 o'clock from Max Shack, it's Barnstormers Weekly with Joe Stacy and head coach Dixie Wooten. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, with you for the next couple of hours. And glad you've uh, found the radio program. Hope you can stay with it. Apparently, the Valley Tigers are off tonight as Trent is making the pilgrim Hey, now. To Southeast Polk uh, for Easton SEP. Tonight, high school baseball on your radio. It follows Barnstormer Weekly with Coach Wooten and Joe Stacy. How are you, Trent Condon? We finally have game one in the NBA. We had a thrilling game two last night in the Stanley Cup final. That one looks as though it's got some juice all of a sudden now as the Blues were by far the better team late in the third period and then in the entire overtime. What little that there was, just a matter of time, and they found the back of the net. Right team won game two last night. Had a really, really um, scary moment in Houston uh, with uh, Albert Almora hitting that little girl. Um, as soon as we, as soon as you saw it, I knew that this was going to be the dominant topic on sports talk radio, blogs, and Twitter mm-hmm. uh, here today. And it's certainly not. Uh, I mean, it has been, and it will continue to be. So, is what MLB should do, can do, or why haven't they done uh, to prevent stuff uh, like this from happening? I know that they've extended the uh, the nets. Some people. 
you know, a little bit disjointed, out of sorts, if you will. They think it inconveniences them. I'll be honest. I don't like sitting behind home plate for that very reason. Because of the net? Yeah, I don't like it. I just, um, maybe I would get used to it. Yeah. I think I've only done it once. It's not <laughs> okay. like when I go to a ball game, I'm down there all the time. That's not the case at all. Uh, but the one time that I did was, it was, and again, maybe, you know, if I sit down there a couple of times, but um, it's not all about me. It's about safety and it's about doing the right thing and we shall see what comes of it. Right away, as it was happening, you knew it was something devastating. Well, if you saw the video of Casper and Deshaies, mm-hmm. didn't say a word. Yes. The players, I think, by not saying anything, spoke volumes with their silence. I watched a, a two-minute feed from the Houston side of things, too. Same thing. Oh, you did? It, and it was very, very similar. Very quiet, subdued, uh-huh. cutaways to players, and... In a moment like that, what can you do? Not just as a play-by-play and the color guy there in the booth, but as the camera guy. You're not going to cut to that little girl. No, let the picture. No, of course not. And apparently the little girl wasn't there very long because yeah. her, her dad scooped her up and rushed her up the stairs. And I mean, just watching Almora mm-hmm. at, at the plate in the beginning. And then when he went and he found the security guard. And I mean, he broke down. I mean, how can you not root for this guy? I mean, right, he, yeah, he, he was, yeah. it was hard. There was no reason not to root for him unless you just hate the Cubs in the first place. I get it. Yeah. But after watching him last night and the. the I mean, he's a human, and um, boy, he moved up in a lot of people's book. Absolutely, and he kicked a flat-out play. Yes, I mean he's, he's been played incredibly he's, well, both defense and the bats. You know, the home Pop. run balls. Yes. yes. You wonder though, is this something that does linger for a little That's bit? It's a good question. I mean, it, it about has to, right? Yeah. And, well, it, but the good news is, and there is good news, is the little girl is fine. Yeah. By all accounts. Yes. Now we don't know if she's going to be fine when she closes her eyes at night. Maybe she didn't even saw the, see the ball coming. Right. We don't know. Um, you know how the what the lingering effects are, of this are going to be, but yeah, but back to Elmore. That's an interesting point. How's he going to, you know, compartmentalize this and put it? I mean, it happens, right? It's an accident. It's not your fault. And that's exactly what Joe Madden said to him after the game. I was reading some of the quotes from Madden afterwards, and he said he went to him right away as he saw Madden go out there from the mm-hmm, dugout and yeah. talk to him as. As he was, he yep. was crying. He was. Jason he was, Hayward first, and, yep. Yep, and Joe Madden, yeah. And, and Madden said that he went over there and says, these things happen. You, There's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it. You just have to you have to persevere. You have to be able to grind your way through this. And in a moment like that, Amora with a couple of youngsters himself, I think a couple of boys, yep. is what was said about that and just how devastating that can be. And as soon as I saw it, same thing. I looked at Ella, and I mean, mm-hmm, it, it sure. gets you. I mean... And you don't have to be a parent for that. Anybody, I think, has a heart, knows mm-hmm. a little kid like that in that moment and just how scary that had to be. It had to be that father. Oh. That, that's where I went to. Because I, I want to step further and just, you're at the ball game with your kid. Right. And that happens. And mm-hmm. was it a moment where dad looked away? Dad was looking up and getting her a cotton candy. Right, looking what, on his phone yes, or whatever. Taking right? a peek away. And was this the first game dad's ever taken as a little girl yes. to? Yes. You know, <laughs> 2017, we had the what four or five different pretty major incidents that happened. When was the third baseman hit? Third base coach, rather, in Colorado. In Colorado, oh yeah, he was killed, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Was he I a was, minor leaguer or was that a major? I, I don't remember. I don't remember. I, 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 I was talking was about in the, in the Rockies, fans, though. Yeah, but I yeah. think it, it, I mean it, it happens. 
Uh, I was just going back to your major incidents. Was there that many? In two- yeah. There, there Somebody was, at Dodger Stadium was killed. Yes. A woman at Dodger Stadium was killed. There was a youngster that was hit by a flying bat at a Yankees game. There were two incidents that happened at Yankee Stadium during that season. Mm-hmm. One was a Aaron Judge foul ball, 105 miles an hour, that hit somebody and put them in the hospital. That's when we saw the increased netting around that extended all the way to the dugout. So they took it a step further after that. But it might just be time. It, it might be time all the way around putting that netting up. Yeah, initially it it's an impact. You uh-huh. see it. But you get used to it. So when do you put it up? Because, you, now. You, I mean, no, 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 I get it. <laughs> right. But <laughs> at, at what point? Was, is it for the first pitch? Because as, as you know... I mean, if, and you've been to the ball, you've been to many games in your life, mm-hmm. and you might have been there as a little kid in your life, and you might have been one of those little kids who's down by the dugout screaming at your favorite twin. Right, yeah. Um, how's that interaction going to be? Is, I, mean, I, I don't know. Does that happen much anymore? I mean, well, it certainly reality. does in spring training. I don't know yeah. about in the regular season. Um, it did happen some. Because I remember we, yelling at Junior Ortiz in the Twins' bullpen to try to get I mean, a backup catcher in his autograph. Yeah. And nothing was doing, and this was in 1992. Right. Like, I always get a kick out of the bullpen catcher. That yes. You, you come, come home with an autograph, and you have no idea who's it. Well, he's a bullpen catcher. He doesn't count. Right? Junior Ortiz. But he signs a lot of autographs. <laughs> Not mine, though. Not mine. He had no time for that. Yeah, I don't know how prevalent that even is anymore. I mean, you, you'll see a couple of times, but I'll just have to change, adjust. You mm-hmm. want to do it, you got to go out to the outfield. You want to do it, you have to have a designated spot, or you have to grab them as they're coming into the building if you get in that parking lot now, where didn't all the, the players go. Didn't the, yeah, that's true. Didn't the back of, if you can get close to that anymore, yeah. usually that's uh, uh, under heavy security. Didn't the back of the ticket stub at one point have a disclaimer? Oh, yeah, yes. And does it still, I wonder? And you hear it, I think, before games too, right? Isn't there a, a PA announcement? Watch for batted balls. Yeah, Bob Casey. I can hear his voice uh-huh. doing that before he got to the no smoking, no smoking, smoking. <laughs> not allowed in the Metrodome. Um, yeah, probably so. Well, we'll see. It's uh, it's unfortunate it took an incident like this. Look, I think they tried. Uh, and as Lisa mentioned, they extended it out what they thought was far enough. But... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just bound to happen, right? It's bound it is, to happen. Yeah. And it did last night. Now, the game itself, it's a pretty good baseball game. I mean, Kyle Hendricks, Trent. This guy, I, he's I don't He's the ace get it. of that staff. Yeah. He's the eight, right? I don't even know about right now. I think <sighs> playoffs tomorrow. Everybody's oh. on full rest. All right. All right. I like where you're going here. What are you, who are you starting? You're certainly not starting Cole Hamels. No. You're certainly not starting Quintana. Lester. Hugh Darvish. Lester's a horse in the playoffs. I think he still gets the ball. I think so, too. But you certainly feel pretty good about the guy coming out the next night if, in Kyle Hendricks. Trent, Kyle Hendricks, since the beginning of the season, when he had that little, you know, he didn't get off to the best of starts, right? And there's still these, I'm so sick and tired <laughs> of this ball hitting the box. And if it's... Because it's if we had this, I'm going back. I'm doing Tuesday show again. I don't want to do that. But boy, they screwed the umpires. If it's a strike, it's a strike. If he gets a little piece of the strike zone, it's a strike. There there was one of those calls. I can't remember what part of the game. There was was, about a dozen of them last night. Were you watching the ESPN side or NBC? No, I was watching Chicago. See, I was on ESPN. And we talked about Sunday Night Baseball. You see their K zone. The 3D. Yeah, yeah. And it was, first of all, the catcher was not. Set up there. The pitch was an awful pitch. It didn't hit the spot. You could tell that. But you kept Hendricks was upset you didn't hit the about spot. it. No, but Hendricks was upset about the throw, 
and it just, it grazed a nick, as they call it, the hunk of cheese. Just a sliver of that cheese came off there. Strike. That's a strike now. Strike. It's not a strike. The ball doesn't have it's to. It's not a strike. Yeah, but the entire ball does not have to go through the strike zones. If you get a little piece of it, ring them up. That is the letter of the law. This is the direction we really want to head. Well, the, again, the game has changed so much for me because now I rely on that thing. As we said uh, the other day when the when the uh, technology was having a little snafu in the Twins game the other night, and that wasn't there. I love to do away with the thing. I'm mm, sick of it. I know Umpire umpires don't like it. Yeah. I don't, they don't like it at all because they've been... I mean, I'm, when we used to do... What, what a great show that was, by the way. Umpside View. Mm-hmm. McClellan and Cooper used to come in here during the off-season and opine on baseball from 6 to 7. I think it was on a Thursday night. It was such a great show. Um, and I would finish and I would you know, spend some time talking to the boys. And um, <laughs> McClellan hated it. Did not like that. I, did not. <laughs> I miss Tim McClellan. I hope he's out there and I hope he's doing well. He's a, he's a good man, Timmy Mack is. And... Um, just that he would, you know, come in here and share his wisdom uh, from all the games that he's umpired with uh, with the town that he calls home. I thought that was a pretty class move on his part and Coop as well. Two good guys. Yeah, they both are. Um, they both really are. First time I met McClellan, I brought up his call in the San Diego uh, one game 163. Yeah, I know a guy who texted him after that. I, he didn't like that one very much. He didn't. Of course he didn't. <laughs> Probably not the most endearing way to start off the well, conversation. Well, no, because the guy lost a bet is my guess. Well, I mean, yeah. never it, that clean. wasn't my side, though. The Padres are my NL team, quote unquote, just a Tony Gwynn. Okay, but this call. But he had, he had the best view I mean, in put, the house. Should we put in Robo Umps there too? He had the, there was Home only play? one guy that had the clearest view of that because because replay definitively did not say he got that wrong. Uh, Padres should have won. I think he got it wrong, but you can't I mean, not definitively. It wasn't definitive. It wasn't definitive. I'm no, I'm a McClellan fan, and maybe I'm on his side on this one. No, there's no maybe about it. <laughs> I am on his side on this one. But a good baseball game last night. Two to one as the Cubs uh, get back in the win column. They're off today. Now I wanted to think that the schedule maker had a sense of humor uh, when you go back to January with the whole Molina Bryant tiff that they had you know during the off season when chris bryant is you know he's at a cubs convention in front of a whole bunch of cubs fans and takes a shot at st louis i mean you got to realize where he is right he's preaching to the choir and for the cubs to finally get an off day and for that off day to be in st louis i thought you know what schedule maker you've got a sense of humor for for planning that out but the schedule comes out in october you know, it's always, there, there's nothing to do. There's with that. nothing. No. Nothing. I wish there was. It would have been a great story. Right. Uh, but but there's nothing to it. So they get a day off today in Cubs cards tomorrow. We'll talk a lot about it tomorrow. Going to get Brian Walton uh, from the Cardinal Nation. Get it from the Cardinals perspective. And here's a big series for them uh, because the Cardinals have not had the, the month of May has not been kind to the Redbirds. Hockey last night. Did you see much of it? Third quarter or third period on. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, got to see overtime and. Looked down just for a moment. Almost missed that game winner. I was sending a text right as it was you? unfolding. Boy, Doc Emmerich's good. Do you have yes. the call? Uh, well, not. Not, you don't know. That's okay. Yeah. Um, he's he's, he's, he's so good. Give me he, a second. He is his. I was, I was late to the, to the Doc Emmerich party, if you will. Um, it was probably, I don't know, one of the Olympics that, that he and Eddie Olchek called in the early 2000s. Um, cause Doc Emmerich, was good, but I thought that there was better than than him. Like who? Give me, give me. Well, Bob Cole was was my all time favorite. And okay. He just retired this year. He's eighty eight, eighty seven years old. Who did he do? Oh, he did the Hockey Night in Canada. I mean, he's oh, the voice okay. of my life, right? One of yeah, my, yeah. my sports life, um, because it's it's a staple. Mm-hmm. 
it's hockey night in Canada. And and he was he got to it in the sixties. Um so he was the guy, but boy Doc Emmerich's he's it might have been he might be the best that's ever done it. His it might ad, be. His adjectives are so good. And he never runs out of them. No, and they're different. Mm-hmm. It is not repeats and no, same thing over and over. And enjoy him because I don't know how much longer he's got left. He's yeah, well in his, he's in his seventies. Seventies? I mean, I hope he's got another ten years, selfishly, yeah, but right. um at the same time, think about yourself. You want to work in your 70s? I mean, even if you love it, you want to do that? All that travel? Yeah, that doesn't sound very good. All it that. doesn't, does it? Now, if you just could sit at home or your hometown and do something, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to travel around and bounce back and forth. And I mean, think of the grind that he's on over these three yeah, months. Right. All the different places that he's going to call games. It sounds like, well, here's how it sounded last night well, on you've got NBC's good stuff. SN. Let it on back. Barbashev across. Drive! And that one whistled wide. Came back along to Gunnarsson once more. They've got Sundquist set up at the opposite circle. Across to Gunnarsson. And he scores! The Blues win it in overtime and have evened the series. Yes, we've got a series. No doubt about it. You know why that guy Gunnarsson's in the lineup? Because the guy that... Uh, um, there's six defensemen. You address six defensemen in the NHL or any perfect case scenario. Some mm-hmm. some some uh, coaches will dress seven in the playoffs, but usually six, right? And the guy that he was only in there because a guy by last name of Dunn couldn't answer the bell last night. Oh, so he gets tapped to you know you're going in, and this is what happens. He hit the goalpost in the third period, had a chance to be the hero in the third, had another opportunity in overtime, and this time he didn't miss. Terrific hockey game. Um, the pink came with what three minutes left? Yeah, something, like, something that? like that. And they were dominating. Yes, they were. It, it felt it just, inevitable. It did. It did. But then you go to overtime. Yeah, you know, I was I was pulling for the Blues late in the game because I thought you know they deserve to win this one. I'd hate to see the Bruins get a greasy one mm-hmm. and go up two nothing because if you go up two nothing, I just I didn't like their chances. We've got a full on series. Hopefully, we'll get a good series tonight. Let me run this by you. All right, game one. Uh, as we is finally tonight. I it seems like it's been a long time, and it has, it has really. been. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen the Warriors. It's been a long time since we've seen the Warriors. We can have Trailblazers. Is that who the Portland? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of think about that one for a while. Um, I think Toronto's. Is it just because I the whole Nick Nurse thing is clouding my, the way I'm looking at this thing? I, I think, think so. that the rap you do think so. I think so. <laughs> you don't want to hear me out. Uh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm listening. I just, like, I like their bench, Trent. I like Toronto's bench. Van Vliet has been unbelievable. Danny Green, I don't get why he's starting. I really and truly don't. What in the world does Danny Green have on, on Nick Nurse? I, I hope nothing, but for, for, for this guy to, you know, get the playing time that he does. Siakam's been terrific. Gasol's been hit and miss, but more hit lately. Not in the first two games. A lot of misses. But in the uh, uh, in the four, he's been terrific. Powell off the bench, Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, since his child has been born, has been a different player. Kevin Durant might not play in this series, is what I'm hearing. They're six and zero without him. I know they are thirty three and one since he got there without him. Why are you bursting my bubble? Plays. Why why are you doing this? Thirty three and one. I I understand the excitement. A Canadian team is there for the first well, it's time. Well, more of a Nick, Nick Nurse, Nurse thing. is there. Funny as it you, is. You got all these angles that you're hoping Stars for. Stars are aligning for me, aren't they? You you like Toronto's bench. I like I do. Steph Curry. Yeah. And Iguodala. Yeah. And Draymond Green. Yeah, pretty good. And Clay Thompson. <laughs> not bad either. I mean, you could, you could have Gasol. Uh-huh. Who's he guarding? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is a drilling. Like a drilling? Um, like a sweep? 
I'm looking at the the futures where he can bet in four five games. And what where are you leaning? Five, probably five. Yeah, the Raps got to get one. They got to get the first one, in my okay. opinion. Yeah, to make this any kind of series, you're exactly right. Uh huh. I don't see Golden State losing an Oracle as the building is closing no, and all game those angles. six will be the, if they get the game yeah. six. That's when the curtain will fall on that building and on the Golden State Warriors calling Oakland home because they're moving across the bay. They have to hold serve at home. I mean. Mm-hmm. They have to win it in seven. That's the only way Toronto wins this series. Toronto. Toronto. They're not winning a game six in Oracle in the last game I in Oracle. I don't think so. Nope. Nope. So it's... It they would have here. to be up 3-2. Yeah. Is what you're saying. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't see when, I don't see him closing that building with Golden State going down in flames. I, I hate to be a party pooper. No, you are right now. I am. Uh, so coming up on the program, in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk Cyclones with Alex Halstead. Boy, Iowa State's had a great week, both yes. basketball uh, and football-wise. We'll do that with Alex Halstead. CG Technology, by the way, uh-huh. the, the company, full disclosure, that's a company that I am the horse racing uh, consultant, if you want to call it that, for. How far have I fallen out of favor over there, right? I mean, I didn't even know these numbers were coming up. Chris Williams! <laughs> He had it before you. Had it before I did. This is a company I work for, for God's sakes. Well, our buddy that we had on all the time. Jason Symbol. Jason Symbol. He's left the firm. So you don't have that same connection that, that gives you the heads up I on don't. things. I don't. You got to get another one of those contacts. I know now. I do. And I was out there and I I, um, I don't know why. I just never went in and introduced myself and tried to form that contact. Yes. But you're right. That's uh, that's one of my things to do because it was so great when we had Jason. I mean, we would have the Cyhawk number in mm-hmm. April, yes. early May. Yeah. And Chris Williams broke it for the company that pays me? Come on. <laughs> Do a better job, Miller. Um, but it's two. Your thoughts? Uh, first time since when that Iowa State is favored in oh, this game? Oh, it's been a long time. A long time. You have to go back to 2000. Is that what it is? Last is time is? Iowa State was favored in this game. Well, That's- yeah, it's the number's right. Yeah. I don't think Iowa should be favored in the game. I, don't think, I think, so think Iowa either. can win the game. Neutral field, Iowa slight favorite. Yeah, slight favorite. Probably maybe a that. field goal. I think yeah. Jack Trice is probably worth three, two and a half. Nah, three. There you go. It'd it's, be a field goal. It's a coin flip game. It is an absolute coin flip game. I mean, you, you can make a compelling case on both sides both of this one. Both teams have a quarterback, Trent. And that's the build up to this one. Yeah. Plus the extra week that we get, not week two this year, but instead that extra week Love in it. there. And Iowa State's off the week before the game. And we get away from coming off of Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, normally we just get that shortened four days as we're off on Monday. So we get the whole week to hype we it. We get That's an extra saying. day of hype. <laughs> Bring it on. Well, I'll be here before we know it, and then it'll yes. be gone before we know it, which is the worst part about it all. All right, coming up on the program, Alex Halstead's going to join us, well, next. Uh, Josh Martin helps us out with the NBA. You can follow him on Twitter, Josh Martin NBA. He's a blue checkmark guy, by the way. He'll join us about 1045 uh, in the 11 o'clock hour, Bill Bender on college football, and then a very happy John Bowenkamp from the Burlington Hawkeye <laughs> as his Dodgers came Roaring back to win in the ninth inning. How many were they down? Four, three, or four? They're down three. It was eight five. They were down in the game. I think at one point eight three. Were they really? And one nine nine eight was the final. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's the Mets. It's, it's, it's. You look at the individual parts. Of the Mets are like, oh, that should be a really good team. They stink. Is it Mickey Callaway? No. Just. I th- I think it's. Pieces eleven through twenty five on that mm-hmm. roster, and they've had a lot of injuries too. Well, Cespedes. Is how to, speaking of injuries, did you see how Correa got hurt? I'm not buying this for a minute. 
Uh, the massage thing? Yes. All right, I only saw it on the bottom line last night, and I, for whatever reason, never clicked on an article or anything. So, he, Carlos Correa of the Astros, mm-hmm. apparently... He's a hell of a player. Yes, he is. Now, last season was had a lot of injuries mm-hmm. a year ago. It wasn't up to what he'd seen early was in his career. Was he the MVP of the World Series? I don't remember. I don't was it Bregman? Maybe. I think it was Bregman. Uh, yeah, yeah, he had a good series, too. But Correa was huge. But go ahead. So... Injury plagued last season. Mm-hmm. Comes into this year. Seems healthy, though not the numbers I think people maybe anticipated. He's getting a massage at his home. Correct. Which is apparently a thing. Not a thing that I think either of us do. I can't see somebody. No, but there, my wife's had somebody come in come in the in, past. I'm, I'm never home. Bring their table. Look into and, that. <laughs> <laughs> and get a massage. Uh-huh. And he injured his rib? Broke his rib. Broke his rib. The masseuse. Yeah. Broke his rib is the story that we're told. That's where we're going. I'm not buying it. Come on. That's the best you can do. There is a lot of funky baseball injuries we've heard throughout the years. Sure. This one's an all-timer. Broke your rib getting a massage at home? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. There seems to be a few more layers to peel off. I kind of thought the same thing. Alex Halstead on the Cyclones next. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Josh Martin covers the NBA. He's based in L.A. We'll get him in here in about 10, 12 minutes or so. Let's talk Iowa State, shall we? Alex Halstead, 24-7 Sports, Cyclone. Uh, coverage is um, coming your way right now. Let's get to them. Uh, Alex, Trent, and Ken, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing well. You know, I'm impressed by what's happened this week. If I had to pick more, one that uh, got my attention more so, I think it would be Bolton just because of the, you know, the glaring need there that I think that they filled with this kid, especially if they can get immediate eligibility. I remember him when he played Iowa and when he was uh, toiling for Penn State middle of January of his freshman season. He stood out on the floor against the Hawks. Um, he's a good player. Yeah, I think both both the football program and basketball programs have had good springs, I guess, filling out their rosters. But I think the bigger news, yeah, probably was getting Rashir Bolton from Penn State. And I think a big reason, like you said, is just that immediate need that they have um, for someone to come in and, and score right away and the fact that you get him for three years. And I know they've been excited about just the potential he has if he ended up at Iowa State, a kid that you know averaged more than 11 points a game as a freshman uh, for an okay Penn State team, but also shot 36% from the field. And I think as that development continues, they think he can be a big piece for them. And you know now the big question is, can he play next year? Um, that changes, obviously, the outlook for next season, if he can play or mm-hmm. can't play. But either way, I think it's worth taking that risk, risk because – you know, they think he's a high-level player. So what would be the justification behind Bolton getting a waiver to be able to play before, you know, for years and years it was sick family member, moving close to home. Set in stone. Those almost. kind of things. Now it, it's all willy-nilly. What would be the reasoning behind it? Not like there's a coaching change, a change to the offensive system. We saw Nebraska get away with that with Tanner Lee and getting a six-year because they – change the offense none of those kind of things what would Bolton what would be the leg that he looked to stand on yeah there hasn't been a lot of talk about it you know from his his side you know whether it's him or his, his father who I think is the first one that kind of made it public when they left Penn State that they were going to try to be eligible immediately 
um, about what that is. They they do feel strongly about the case. Iowa State, um, from all accounts, uh, from what I've gathered so far, seems to be decently confident as well. I mean, you don't know for sure what the NCAA is going to do, but at least as much as you can feel confident in a waiver process, it seems like all sides think there's a realistic chance. The one thing with some of the speculation is that um, maybe disagreements and uh, not a, a very good fit with Penn State. I think there was some public stuff last year with their head coach and a player, a public spat there. I don't know if that was on the court or whatever. I think there's some articles mm. about that. I think I think that might be what it's going to come down to is them trying to say that he, he didn't fit with that coach. and I, There might be some documentation, but as far as like actual details, we haven't really heard any of that, but uh, we'll probably find out by you know within the next several weeks whether the NCAA agrees with, with his case. Yeah, he seems pretty confident about it, Lucas. It would certainly uh, give the program a huge, huge jolt, especially the news Kansas got yesterday as they continue to get uh, one good uh, spot, better news after another. Well, let's you know, let's look ahead, Alex. I was thinking about this yesterday. Alex Halstead, CycleAlert.com, part of 24-7 Sports, uh, joining us here at uh, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. They got a real dilemma. I'm talking about Matt Campbell and company. When they're trying to decide who they're going to bring along with them to Dallas for uh, media days, you got to take about a handful, maybe as many as six guys off that defense, I think have a legitimate um, reason to be there. Certainly the media was going to want to talk to these guys, Spears, Lima, Jaquan Bailey, Eisworth's a terrific player. Mike Rose was a star in his first years as a true freshman, although because he's, uh, you know, he's, he's so young, uh, he probably, that eliminates him, which is the same thing I've got going on for Brock Purdy. Everybody wants to hear from Purdy, but he's going to only a sophomore. How are they going to handle this? This is a dilemma. A good one, I guess. Yeah, it's a good one that where you don't just kind of know right away who they're going to take because they're taking their couple of good players. But, um, you know, defensively, like you said, it's going to be really difficult. This is a defense that, you know, I looked through the, the preseason, I guess, preview guide yesterday from Lindy's and Athlon and Street and Smith, and all three of them have Eisworth, uh, Greg Eisworth, Jaquan Bailey, Andre Lima as all Big 12 preseason guys. We'll see if they're all Big 12 preseason guys, um, kind of think, come July when, when the media ones come out. You know, but to have three guys, unanimous across those three publications as all Big 12 guys. That makes it difficult right there, and you shift the offense, and you could see something bringing a guy like Josh Kniffle or um, uh, Deshaun Dick jones or Tariq Milton. Mm, yeah. uh, we haven't even talked about, like you said, Mike Rose and Brock Purdy. There's starting to be at least, you know, I think within the Big 12 circles, a lot more name power on this team. Right. Um, that's a good thing for Matt Campbell. As a whole, we've seen Iowa State – their change in that three-three-three cloud defense that that they run, and how effective it's been against Big Twelve offenses. It seems like defense is improving a lot, not just at Iowa State, but across the board in the Big Twelve. Are you seeing that? You watch a lot of Big Twelve football, Alex. Are you seeing the same thing that it feels like my eyeballs are seeing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Iowa State and TCU were kind of the standard yep. last year, and they both run similar defensive schemes. Uh, I think you've seen more teams in the Big Twelve try to run something similar at times at least where they're, you know, putting more guys back. They're West Virginia. I don't know what they'll do under Neil Brown, but they, you know, have run in the past the three three five. And so I just think more teams are adapting to what what teams that have had success, Iowa State and TCU have done. And so it's gonna be interesting to see if that trend continues. You obviously got a new defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. That's maybe been the biggest thing that's held them back. And I think the defense has improved, but I think the one thing I don't know if the scoring is going to always completely change because, you know, these teams are just running a lot of plays and the the pace of it creates more possessions. So it's interesting. I think that 
when you look at some of the other metrics, it's improved, but the scoring, um, I think, still is going to take some time to come down because just you got teams like Oklahoma State that and Oklahoma that are just trying to get as many possessions a game as they can. Uh, Darren Wilson, you mentioned the wide receiver, the JUCOs, uh, 6'4", 200. Hey, how fast is he? And um, did do, do you expect, I mean, if you're a JUCO, you expect immediate impact. Uh, what, what, is he, what does he bring to Iowa State? Yeah, this is an interesting one uh, because you know this is a six foot three and a half, so between six three and six four wide receiver. He's already above two hundred pounds, you know, because he spent some time out of college, and I think that's maybe one of the biggest positives for Iowa State is you're getting a kid that is developed a little bit, but he's also pretty young. He's going to come in next year as a redshirt sophomore, so it's a little bit different type of situation for this JUCO. He's got three years to play three, and so they have some expectation that he can come in and compete right away. But I don't think there's the pressure of a you know two-year JUCO because he could develop a little bit next year behind guys like Deshante Jones and Tweek Milton and Michael Petway, and then by 2020 and 2021 he'll have developed within the program and still have two years of eligibility. So they really like him, you know, to to kind of fill out this roster. Um, you know, when you look at their their spring additions, well, Michael Petway kind of replaces Hakeem Butler yeah. as far as coming right away. This kid. Darren Wilson kind of replaces Josh Johnson, you know, a kid that transferred to Tulsa uh, this offseason and was going to be a redshirt sophomore as well. So they just scholarship-wise, you're kind of replacing both of those guys with the two receivers they brought in. As far as his speed, you know, he is a bigger receiver, but, you know, they think he can play a little bit inside but mostly outside. And they, you know, went down and saw him this spring and thought he was pretty good off the line, pretty quick off the line. Um, and that was one of the big things for them. CycloneAlert.com is where you can find Alex Halstead. Follow him on Twitter at Alex Halstead. He joins us, and we appreciate it. Thank you, Alex. We'll talk to, uh, talk to you next week. Appreciate you coming on. Yep, thanks, guys. Good to talk to you, Alex Halstead. Iowa State, CycloneAlert.com. Back with Josh Martin, NBA conversation next. Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Let's get in Hawaii. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon as we continue on here. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. As promised, going to talk a little NBA with one of our NBA guys, Josh Martin. You can follow Josh on Twitter, Josh Martin NBA. He's got that blue check mark beside his name, uh, and he joins us to help us with game number one in the series overall. Josh Trenton Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Josh Martin? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. How no, are you? I'm uh, doing great. Looking forward to tonight. It's been a long wait. Um, and, uh, you know, look, Toronto, Golden State, uh, I think we're going to get a good series. And maybe it's just our Nick Nurse Iowa bias uh, that's coming through in full display here. But uh, for whatever reason, I don't think it's going to be the cakewalk that a lot of folks do. And maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, Josh. Uh, is this going to be a long series? I certainly hope it is, and I think it has the potential to be a long series, in part because uh, you know Kevin Durant isn't going to play in Game One. His he hasn't played since the second round of the playoffs. Marcus Cousins is questionable for Game One, and he hasn't played since the first round of the playoffs. So the the Warriors team that the Raptors will see early on, at least, is is a little shorthanded still capable certainly of winning the series and winning a championship without talents like Katie and Boogie. That's that's sort of what you get when you have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green still on your squad. But I think eminently beatable uh, with that group. 
Uh, I would still favor the Warriors, but you know, the, the Raptors are going to have a very interesting trump card, obviously, in Kawhi Leonard. And the more that Kawhi can be the best player on the floor, the best player in the series, the better the Raptors' chances of winning. And they'll have better chances of that happening, of Kawhi being that guy on the floor, the more that KD is out. Josh, uh, as you go through and you, you look at this series matchup, Steph Curry is taking his game to another level, but very interesting Draymond Green. The conversation that he had you know, with the front office about losing weight, he seems to be playing inspired basketball. We know about the spat that happened with him and Durant earlier this season. A renewed guy out there. What What's different outside of the weight loss? What looks different to you when you watch him out there with the Warriors? Well, he's back to his his primary playmaking role, where he's essentially the point guard out there on offense, um, making plays, you know, playing pick and roll with Steph Curry. He's he's amazing when he's in that role. He, he knows it so well. He's surrounded by shooters. He knows who to hit and where at whatever moment. It's old hat for him. So uh, when it's that original group, I guess you could say, from you know 2015 and 2016 in the finals, that he can put, sort of settle back into that role where when Kevin Durant is out there in particular, it's sometimes you just got to give it, give the ball to KD and let him work and uh, have him get those, those shots in the mid range that are uh, basically like layups for him. But you pull him out of the equation. It's, it, it kind of works with everybody, right? Everybody else's role kind of grows. You know, you have Steph has to take more shots. Clay has to take more shots and Draymond has to do more playmaking and that gets those guys more engaged on both ends of the floor and really brings out the best in them. Not to say that the Warriors are better without KD, but that's just the nature of a team game like basketball. You lose one great player, everyone else has to pick it up in, as best they can. Uh, we're talking Josh uh, to Josh Martin. He covers the NBA. We appreciate him coming on with us. Here's one my question for you. Back to the Raptors for a second, Josh. Um, what what does what does Nick Nurse and company see in Danny Green? I, I don't get it. I mean, he's been he's been scoreless the last two games. Prior to that, he had four, three, and I think five. Um, and now his minutes are coming down, which obviously needed to happen because he's just. I mean, what what does he bring to the the Raptors that continues to see him uh, in that starting lineup? I don't get it. What am I missing? Well, what you're missing is at least a track record over the years of him being. Uh, a very capable three-point shooter, a very capable defender. He's a quality 3-and-D guy, and more importantly, he's experienced. He's been to the finals. He's won a championship, and he's not only been to the finals won a championship, but he's had some incredible success at this level, uh, especially from the three-point line. I, mean, I think you'll recall him essentially dominating that early series against the Miami Heat in 2013 uh, when he looked like he might have been a finals MVP had uh, had the Heat not come back and pulled that series out in seven. So obviously that was six years ago. He's probably not the same player he was back then. He's a, a bit older, maybe not quite as quick. Um, but I think he's still someone who could pop off. Now, I don't know that that means that if you're Nick Nurse that you should be married to Danny Green in the starting lineup, but that should at the very least mean that um, you give him a shot. And in the finals, if you're trying to compete with a team like the Warriors, you're going to need all the shooting you can get. You're going to need uh, someone to go off, someone random really to go off to, to steal a game here and there. 
And Danny Green, I think, is a good candidate, in part because I think he's just overdue at this point in the playoffs. Now, mm-hmm. if he continues to struggle, that doesn't mean you just keep throwing him out there with big minutes and giving him shots and everything. But I think if you're Nick Nurse, you have confidence knowing who Danny Green is and what he's done. He's not going to be afraid of the moment. He's not going to, he's not going to wilt. Uh, and that at least gives him a shot then to be a guy who comes through for you on a team that is going to be relying heavily on a lot of other role players who have not played on this stage. Josh, uh, speaking of Nick Nurse, he's one of ours. Ken mentioned it a little bit earlier. What have you seen ha- out of him as a coach? I know nationally it was panned after the firing of Dwayne Casey. Well, you're just going to give it to assistant coach. What have you seen, though, out of Nurse? And, again, we're a little too close to the situation. Maybe we're looking at things through rose-colored glasses here. Your thoughts on Nurse? I mean, I think he's done a good job. He's gotten them to this point. I don't know how much of the Raptors' success you can pin on him, obviously, because I think their success really is is a top-to-bottom one so far when you think about what Masai Ujiri did to get Kawhi Leonard and obviously Danny Green on the roster and then trading for Marcus Gasol uh, and, and what those players, too, have done. Uh, but I think Nick Nurse has, has done a, a good job of at least um, balancing things out, of, of managing this team through the course of the season. I don't think it's been uh, a particularly smooth process because the team itself was kind of choppy throughout the season. You had Kawhi Leonard sitting out basically a quarter mm-hmm. of the season for load management. Kyle Lowry missed time. Uh, they had those changes to the roster with Marcus Saul joining the fray around the trade deadline. So uh, there's been a lot to, to juggle, and I think he's done that well. I, uh, I don't know that he's put a huge, huge stamp on this team that's any that's that much different from what Dwayne Casey did, in part because Nick Nurse was a, a very influential assistant coach on Dwayne's staff before. So I don't know that that much has changed from that end, but um, you know they've done he's done a, a good job of having an offense that can work for pretty much everyone on the team, and then having an offense that works for Kawhi and sort of playing that uh, that duality where some teams might not make it work so well. He has, and uh, more importantly, this team has played a great defense all year long, and uh, I think part of that, I guess, to credit to Nick Nurse, but again, it comes back to the players, it comes back to management, it comes back to a full organization that I think is pulling in the same direction by and large, and it's gotten them to this point. Uh, last thing for me, I'll let Trent finish up with you, Josh. Um, would you be shocked if Kevin Durant doesn't play in this series? I know he t- he's with the team in Toronto. I don't know if that's window dressing or they're trying to plant that seed. Would you be shocked if he doesn't play? Uh, I'd definitely be surprised. I don't know if I would go straight to shock, but um, considering that when he went down in the second round of the playoffs, his injury was billed as a mild calf strain. <laughs> I guess uh, it must be a little bit more than just mild or just a calf strain at this point. So I think if there's any, if there's, if he's at all capable of playing, he will be out there at some point in the series. You would figure, you know, he's Kevin Durant. He's, he's one of the best players in the world, arguably the best player in the world. Uh, and when you're at that level and you have a chance to compete for a championship in the finals on the biggest stage, you're probably chomping at the bit to be out there. So, yeah, I'd, I'd certainly be surprised, maybe even shocked. I don't know. But uh, at this point, I guess anything's possible. And 
certainly the Warriors, if they don't have Kevin Durant, I think they still have enough ammunition uh, to pull this series out. It just might take a little bit longer. All right, Josh, before we go, we've talked NBA Finals. We've broken that down. But on a day-to-day basis, I know you cover a lot of the Lakers. The dysfunction, the latest article that has come out. I just, I just want to leave this open-ended to you. Fill us in. There's Lakers fans everywhere. There's certainly Lakers fans here. This organization, at least from the outside looking in, looks about as inept as you're going to find. <laughs> yeah, they're they're in a, a tough spot. Uh, it's It's sort of, I guess, the result of, Six years of um, six years of rot in a way since uh, the late Dr. Jerry Buss passed, the former owner uh, and management of the team passed on to his, his kids, and uh, sort of there was a power struggle for a time between his daughter Jeannie Buss, who ran the business side, and his son Jim Buss, who ran the basketball side. Jeannie ultimately pushed her brother out of of management of basketball management took over their control of the team and has sort of been relying largely on, you know, people she knows, her friends, uh, to help her run things. And um, as, as much as she may trust them in those capacities, I think uh, they've largely failed her in that regard. And uh, as a result, I think she has greatly failed the Lakers and their fans to date uh, because of, of those decisions that she's made to, uh, you know, bring bring on Magic Johnson first as advisor, and then hiring him as president of basketball operations. Uh, having him, you know, work with Rob Palenka, Kobe's former uh, Kobe's former agent as as GM. Uh, those guys, neither of them having experience in their roles. You know, the, hiring Luke Walton. I guess that wasn't entirely her her, uh, her doing. That was her brother's doing in part, but uh, keeping him around. When you know Magic and Rob wanted to sort of wipe the slate clean, and you know, there's just been a lot of a lot of issues from top to bottom. Really, it's hard to sum them up, uh, but and really explain them all in, in short order. But suffice it to say that um, the Lakers, you know, the NBA, look, the Lakers make for an easy villain. Um, but I still think that the, the NBA overall is better off as a league when the Lakers are good, not when the Lakers are making headlines for all the wrong reasons. So I think if you're if you're the league and you're the basketball world, the wider basketball world, you, you have to hope at some level that the Lakers will figure this out um, sooner rather than later and will put at least a competitive product on the floor so that the stories that we read about the Lakers are about basketball and not about management. Josh Martin, NBA. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you coming on. Good to talk to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Josh Martin on the NBA. All right, Trent. Uh, You're more hopeful about the Raptors yeah, than I, don't, I am. You see, I don't think they're going to. Yeah. I'm trying to make that case in my own mind that, that it's going to be a long series. No. Danny Green's awful. What, what does he see the floor for? I don't get it. I don't get Where it. Where do you turn? Well, you got to have somebody that can come in. and. Well, who do they turn to when uh, when they take him out of the game? Van Fleet? Yeah. He's been good yeah. last couple of games. No, I know. He's been really good since since the birth of his child. Yes. Yeah. Look, the bench has been... We talked a lot about Golden State's bench, mm-hmm. but Powell and Ibaka and Van Vliet, the last... You know, they, since they won four straight, they've been main cogs in this. That's going to turn into a pumpkin. Going to turn into a pumpkin. You think it is? I think tonight, even. No, there's been a lot of conversation about you, the They layoff. can't get a bet in Vegas on, on Toronto. You can't, you can't... For a series. You, yeah, for anything. 
I've seen the point spread has bounced back and forth. Toronto by one, Warriors by one. It's been back and forth here over the last three days or so. Before the show started, the last thing I saw was 90% of, maybe Caesars, one of oh, them. Oh, wow. 90% of the money, both point spread and money line, is, is, is uh, on Golden State. Toronto's can't win the series. Can they win two games? Yes. They better get the first one. <laughs> yeah. We saw last year with the Cavs. You don't get that first one. Yeah, what a game that was. Oh, I know. I know. They had it. They had it. One of my favorite NBA games, I think, ever. Really? Certainly in the top 10. Oh, I don't know if I could go that far. Oh, I mean, just so many memories of it, everything else. I'm. That one was a great one. I think I'll remember that one for a long, long time. So, what do you you want to save it till just before you get out of here at noon? Uh, I think it's Warriors. In? It's just. Five, six? Five. No, not six. I mean, you don't even think you'll, no. so you're not think you don't think that the Raptors can win two games. Six is probably the easiest because it'll be back in Golden State for Game uh, Six, yeah, but the final game in Golden might be, State. This might be a sweep. You know what, Trent? That'll be the final game in that building. For right, Golden State. Oracle's closing. You win a championship back in front of the home fans. Mm. Ah, uh, we'll see. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we're going to talk college football with Bill Bender. We're going to we did the clones earlier. We'll do the Hawks with John Bowen, Cam Trent, and I are here until noon. Glad you're with us. It's Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO.